Alright guys, welcome back to another video on MMA on Hinge. Today we are joined by UFC Bantamweight or a featherweight, uh, a bantamweight, I'm correct here. Yeah? yeah, bantamweight, I've had a lot of fights at featherweight and lightweight, but... Yeah, you've yeah. been around, you've been around the block, you don't say no to fights, but yeah, Cameron Earls, how's it going buddy? Yeah, I'm very good mate, good. Yeah, so as a, yeah, I've been researching you before the uh, the interview. Obviously, I would because I, I need to learn more about you. And uh, I, I I noticed that you were in the paratroopers. And uh, how, can you run us through like the experiences and like you know any near death experiences? Just any cool experiences you experienced in the paratrooping? Um. Yes, yeah, I joined. Yeah. Originally, I went in the army at sixteen. Um, went straight from school and. Because I was a kid, I had to do. Uh, I had to go to an army foundation college, mm -hmm. and then I'd done a year there. Passed out, went on to phase two training. Paras, I got injured right out, right a week before P company test week. I got injured quite bad. Done all my ligaments of my ankle. Um, I was only seventeen at the time, so they pretty much said to me, "You can have an operation, but you're going to be out for like another like eighteen months minimum, uh, or you can leave, medically discharge." let it heal itself because I was so young and then come back and have another crack so I was like I'll do that because I don't want to risk it. the operation not going well um, so I left took two years out and basically no a year out a year and a half out something like that but basically I went I didn't want to go back to my hometown and just do normal stuff so I decided to learn how to teach scuba diving so I flew out to Turkey oh, wow. my nan helped me pay for that and I literally just decided to learn scuba diving from nothing to instructor under Paddy. I did it in about six weeks and then they offered me a job. So I stayed out there in Turkey, taught scuba diving the following year, went to Spain and then with basically after that Spain trip I then got the army then basically said uh, you've been out long enough, you can come back and we can assess your injury. Assessed it, passed it went back and then they said to me I'd start off like phase two training but when I got there they chucked me in basically week six so I was like wankers made me do the whole thing again but I loved it yeah passed out uh, yeah off, off I went um, off to free power that was great loved every minute of it as soon as I got to free power I literally just had to jump on a jump straight onto Optag and straight out to Afghan in 2008 um done that tour unfortunately some friends didn't make it back so god, god bless her soul um that's the, i think that's the that's the biggest thing that you take from play, going places out there it's not really so much what you did is what didn't happen you know um, what, who didn't come back but um yeah i got i got my ears i got caught uh there's a bit of like a blast and i lost my hearing in both ears uh both eardrums burst and that caused me to lose my hearing um, and then when I basically got back from Afghan I had um, I got moved into MT platoon because I wasn't allowed to be around any weapons or anything because my hearing was shoot it was all basically mangled and then my life just pretty much started going downhill from there I was just like drinking loads and yeah. had a lot of demons in my head as you can imagine and yeah I ended up pretty much losing my way and then my one of my best mates was like look you're gonna you're gonna not only end up out of the army you're gonna end up in prison like we carry on doing what you're doing um but i didn't i just didn't really know what to do and he said come along to do this mma you you, you think you'll be good at it and i was like yeah 100 percent. i'll smash anyone <laughs> turned up 
and I got my ass kicked and I couldn't believe it but I was so fascinated by it mm-hmm. and I'd have been watching while I was away in Afghan that we'd like watch UFC and Pride and stuff and oh my we would God. Have, what, what we would do out in Afghan we'd set up in the desert we'd do like rings and stuff and we'd be like right, who wants to fight UFC and I'd be like <laughs> fucking right get me on it wow. so I'd be jumping in the middle of the desert with the blokes and that I'd be having tear ups like UFC style <laughs> and honestly it, your story is yeah. honestly incredible how you've gone from Afghanistan now you're fighting in a UFC cage that's just incredible itself yeah. so the first UFC octagon I ever fought in was in a desert in Afghan <laughs> so you made so your debut in Afghanistan a whole year back oh, that decade ago yeah that was it that's where that's where I basically got my hunger for it I just I loved fighting man and do you know the funniest thing is like growing up as a kid I hated it like I hated combat sports 100%, yeah. I, I wasn't I was a loudmouth kid. Like my mouth kept me out of fights because I used yeah. to talk that much shit. People didn't want to fight me. And then mm-hmm. my sister was known as like the hard, hard bitch. Like right, tough girl. Mm-hmm. She was the one girl that beat up at blokes, women, anything. My sister, my old sister, and my brother. My old brother was a nutter and all. So I always had them to fall back on. And then like our name, like our surname, become like a bit of a reputation where around our area where it's like yeah you don't really want to piss them off mainly because of my brother and my sister not me and my mum was a bit of a nut job and all so what ended up happening I used to just like suffer with anxiety and that like, yeah. around fighting and all that I didn't like it so it wasn't until I packed my bags and I went off to the army and it was I was in the army and someone tried it with me and without me even realising I just turned around and banged him like knocked him out and I didn't even realise I had it in me, you know, but mm-hmm. it was, it quickly made me realise there and then, I was like, hang on a minute, I've all you got to do is punch him, all you got to do is punch him, someone's rude you, I'm trying to bully you, I'm trying to pick on you, if you see someone getting bullied, just punch him, knock him out, and then everyone just thinks you're hard, and like, that was it, so, literally, after me banging something like that, that's when I sat back and I thought, you know, thanks mum, <laughs> at, least, uh, at least you guys have taught me saying, and it actually worked so that's when my life started to change around violence because I was more it was more I I used to hate the feeling of being bullied I wasn't bullied I was never bullied as a kid don't get me don't get it wrong um, but I used to see a lot of it and I used to get the piss taken out of me and my little groups when we were at your mates and I used to hang around with a few little gangs and that and it'd be like oh like mock me and that and I feel a bit anxious like oh if I say it is it going to be a fight so it was kind of like that but then when I realised that I could I could just I had a bit of a crack on me I was just like do you know what I'm not standing for anyone's bullshit no more and the funniest thing is like within <laughs> my first six weeks in the army yeah and this is the army college I'm 16 we we go over to the education wing and we're about to we're waiting to so we're in the education wing and we're just doing this lesson and then it's a bit like a university college right mm-hmm. so buzzer goes he's like you go off at 10 minutes break before the next lesson me and my friend at the time we went down to the vendor machine to get some bits to eat little snacks and we were 8 platoon and they were 7 platoon same company but 7 platoon and they were like thinking they're the artist platoon in the company and it was like eight platoons the artist mm-hmm. and we actually had 
in my platoon, there was a boxer, and he was ranked third-ranked heavyweight boxer in the world, and he was in my platoon, like juniors. He yeah. was a beast, right? So he was in Upton, so he went, he didn't come to the vending machine. I was with this other lad. We went down to the vending machine, and there's all these, all the cemetery now, and they start trying to mock us. And my mate's standing there, and he's like walked down, and he's just looked around at the biggest lad. He's gone, fuck, it, took his out. Bang, and just like banged his kid. Look like starting on him, and I'm like, shit, <laughs> we're in a fight. And then obviously, I jumped in with him, and we started having it, and we ended up bashing this kid up, these this other platoon up. And then I remember we all like scampered, run away, and that. And then I um, went lesson, and it was like me and my friend then got called up by the uh, no, that was it. We um, we went to the scoff, we went to lunch, and as we was in lunch, we told this boxer in our platoon. Everyone was like, oh, have you heard about Else? Else and that other lad, they've just uh, bashed up the 7th Battoon. And he was like, he, he was jealous. He was like, what? What, they started on my platoon? Because he was like the daddy of our platoon. He, like, he's a big boy, right? And then he was like, I ain't, I ain't having this. Who's this lad? And this lad that we, we actually bashed up, he was a cockney. Tall mm-hmm. lad. So this this guy called Love Day, his name's Love Day, the boxer. We, we've gone over and as we've gone back to into our company lines, we've gone up to 8th Battoon and just as we gone up, we always had to go past Semberton and just coming out of Semberton was this Cockney lad that me and this lad had just give a dig. And this love day was like, Oi, you start on my platoon. And he takes off his bear, goes, Else lad, hold this. And he gave me his bear and he turned around and he cracked this lad. And I'm not kidding you, I've, still to this day, I've never had a crunch like it. He hit him and the guy, he, he knocked him out and I was just like, damn, like, what's going on? And it was just like, all like, to be fair, it weren't like, no bullying, it was just all like, geezers fitting their geezers all trying to fight each other it's just that's how the army life is but anyway we all then got I was like he's in a bad way he's going to hospital so he he went off and then me and this other lad got pulled into the company office they're like did you have a fight today in the company lines and that in the education wing and I was like yeah we did we put our hands up to it so we got punished there and then we got put on guard and we got told we're on a three month bend the only trouble we'd be kicked out of the army because we'd only been in the army like five weeks so like what is going on so I was standing there and then it turned out that this lad's now gone off the hospital and he had his jaw broke in like three places by this boxer. So the boxer, cut the long story short, ended up going to the court martial. He got sent to army prison. That's right. Um, yeah, so he, he, uh, he actually got sent off. I remember he was in court and they were going to put me and my mate Rob in court court as well and we we went to court we we didn't go to court only for the reason that we'd already been punished for the crime so you can't get punished twice so we escaped court but my mate the other love day lad he he had to go into court so he went into court and he ended up getting like 18 months in army prison and they said to us you two would have been in there as well but what actually saved him was prior to him punching him they couldn't determine that if me and this other lad had fractured his jaw prior to the punch so mm-hmm. he could have been it, it went down as both like inflicted pain from him taking a few digs that day but it was pretty mad like that was that was pretty mad time so I almost ended up in an army prison straight away um, lucky enough I, I didn't but it just kind of led me down a, a, a down a road where I was just I hated seeing people suffer with anxiety and, and feeling bullied so I'd become one of those lads that I'd be out and if I'd be out in the pub or wherever in life or see someone 
getting bullied. They'd step in and go, hey, don't don't take the piss, like, leave him alone. And they'd be like, what? what are you going to do? And I'd be like, me? Whack. <laughs> That's what I'll do. And then it ended up like, ultimately, it was, it was like a blessing for me helping people I felt like I was like the knight in shining armour <laughs> but then obviously after a few years on from there from being like say 16 it started where I started to come into like actually realising I could punch people and stuff to me then coming back from Afghan having a load of problems like going on obviously being held back and doing that drinking a lot going out and then any excuse I'd have to fucking punch someone for being a dick, I would, and it ultimately just was getting to the point where you can't be doing it no more because like, it's not just punching people, like you're getting arrested for it. So I then found martial arts, and honestly, the moment I got my ass kicked, I walked out there and I said, mate, I'm going home this weekend. I'm going to quit foot playing football, and I'm going to dedicate my whole life, and I'll be a UFC fighter. And literally, I said that, and I went home that weekend, and I played my last game of football. I told all the lads in the change room, I'm going to do a fight, I'm going to find a UFC and that. And they were all like, the blue player, you need to do something like that. You, you, you're a good little scuffer, like, yeah. Yeah, you're smashing, you know, your boys are like, proper pumping you up. Yeah, yeah. Went out in that game, and uh, I dislocated my knee. <laughs> so I was like, you're kidding me. Like, I was in cast up to my hip, but I was so gutted, because I was like, I'm going to be training Monday. Like, I'm starting this journey, and... I went back and I saw my mate, and my mate was like, oh, that's you then, back out on the piss. And I said, no, nah. I said, I made a promise to myself that I'd be a UFC fighter, I'm done dedicating my life to this. So I said, I'm going to come to every training session with you, with my cast on, I'll sit there and watch. But I'm so fascinated by it. No, I used no. to think I was tough and I could fight, and I actually can't. Mm -hmm. And I was a father then, and I was like, I need to protect my family and... I think every father, every 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 parent should know how to defend himself um, in a way to help if they've got to look after other people and that. So I then just dedicated the next year to sitting on the sidelines, turned up with uh, my coach family and you should just watch. And I think, honestly, I think by me sitting there watching and just taking in, I can take things that I can watch practical and I can take in. I can, it's like I don't have to do it, I can see it and I can do it. Um, I'm very good at that. Mm -hmm. Theory side, like paperwork, reading books, not really my thing unless I'm passionate for it. So then, obviously, yeah, that just like speared me on. And the moment I could get on the mat, I got on the mat, and within eight months, I got a blue belt. I won the world pro trials here, and then I went out to Dubai, all paid for. And then it just kind of, I was always like, mm, I want to punch people, man. And so uh, that was it, and then I just started fighting MMA. Yeah, it, um, I watched in the previous interviews, uh, on your 21st birthday, if I'm correct, uh, you yeah. thought you were going to have a, a nice, calm birthday, then you got sent off to um, an uh, operation. Yeah. Could you talk us through what happened to that operation and if it was su uh, successful? Yeah, so that was the day where my hearing, I lost my hearing, like I went deaf. But, um, we'd been out on the ground for about three weeks, so it's pretty shit, it was just some rations and that. And then we come back, and I was like, it's my birthday, so it's my birthday. <laughs> and we literally get told, we're flying back in, and I was like, sweet, back in on my birthday. So when you get back into like main camps, like Canada and that, it's, big, it's like safe zone, really. So you could go down, go to the NAFI, you can get like a Red Bull and 
just enjoy it and we basically come back and all, like, all my old mates and that were like oh, let's just go to the gym get massive because we call it the GMC get massive club that's what you want the whole time you're in Afghan is just the aim is to get as hench as you can and um, so it was just like yeah we're going to get back and I was like yeah get celebrate birthday in camp and a couple of blokes got some vodka sent out so it was like okay we can try and have a little drink <laughs> and um, yeah we got back went down to the scoff house We'd been back about three hours, went down to the scoff house, and then on the way back, blokes were like, oh, we all need to get in the briefing room. And I was like, what? Are you fucking kidding me? Got straight in the briefing room, and then they were like, yeah, we're flying out at 3 a.m. in the morning. Basically, someone, some Taliban leader had been using his phone, who'd, and he was quite an important person, he was making IEDs and that. Um, so we had to fly in at 3 a.m. straight in to, to them while they're sleeping and capture him and get them basically getting the fuck out of there it was successful we got in there and we got him we retreated with him but yeah that was definitely a 21st birthday that I'd never forget yeah man I thank you for all your services and I'm pretty sure everyone else watching this will thank you for your service and what you've done for our country and I can't thank you enough for what you've done I appreciate it man well moving on to your MMA career so it didn't start off the best it was quite rocky you went four and three and then you picked up a six-fight win streak out of nowhere, and then you got your UFC call. What did you do to change that from going from Rocky to get that six-fight win streak? What did you change in your game to get that six-fight win streak? I had to listen. I had to listen. Um, I had to listen to the people that are good at their jobs, and I had to stop thinking as a fighter, like so to speak, like. The time I need to be a fighter is when I'm in the cage and the opponent's opposite me and the ref goes, are you ready to fight? Now I can be the fighter. But one thing I learned with this is with this fight game is you got to play the game. You have to play the game. And I spent my career, I never wanted to fight any fucking bums. I was always like, I ain't fighting those kids. Mate, give me whoever you want, mate. I know six weeks training camp, I'll smash any man that stands opposite me. And I still believe that to this day. However, that kind of like, I started off the wrong way, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I took Thank tough fights straight away. Me fighting Spencer Hewitt. That's my next interview. I say, I've got yeah. another interview soon that was just reminding me. I'm, I'm reminding you. I'm so sorry about that. Wait for it to show up. All good, right? That was my Alexa, sorry. So well, that's good. Yeah, so, <laughs> I um, obviously, as people know straight away taking a debut fight against Spencer Hewitt who was first yeah. 9 and 2 at the time mm-hmm. yeah. me debuting people are like what are you doing and I'm mm-hmm. like I know I can beat this guy I've watched him I, like, I'll, I'll smash him I know I can give me the training camp and I'll smash him so me taking that fight I just, I'm one of these guys like, I'm a paratrooper it's ready for anything mm-hmm. there is no excuses so People would sit down and put on a bit of paper, and rightfully so, list 20 reasons why I shouldn't take a 9-2 and two guy, champion of a, of a promotion, on my debut. There's enough reasons there. Mm-hmm. But if I can find one reason, one excuse to why I should fight, I'm fighting. And for me, it was like, I go in there, bang him, I'm straight on top of the table. I'm there. I'm an impatient guy. I, I want things done I get it done everything I've always done in my life I've always achieved Any, no matter how big the goal is I've set up set, I've achieved it so I had that coming in I was going to smash Spencer in my head I was going to smash him and 
I'm good teammates with him now. We're actually teammates, um, and we get on. But however, I will I will say, and I've always said it that up to that fight, um, I had the best fight camp ever. And then the week of the fight, Mrs. had a miscarriage uh, late on. A good friend of mine died. Another friend then basically OD'd. And this is literally the week of the fight. And then and other stuff happened, which I won't go into. Mm-hmm. But put it this way, the day before the weigh-ins, I drove, decided to drive to Liverpool, see my army mate, scull a bottle of whiskey, <laughs> go out with him. Then I had to drive back at three o'clock in the morning, no to sleep. Make, to make the weigh-ins? Yeah, my coaches turned up like, where you been? I said, look, just do me a favour, don't ask me anything. Don't ask me why I'm down, don't worry, I'll go in there and I'll smash this guy. And I honestly believe that even though my head wasn't there, my head was outside the cage and just with, I was in a real, real, I was in a real dark place, man. Like, I was suffering with depression, like, quite bad. And um, I just, like, seriously, just, I just always had a med, like, I, listen, I was say you probably would have heard this a couple of times. A man today, right, you're, a man is only as good as his word. Like, that, that's it, period. So if you say you're going to do something, you fucking do it, mm-hmm. period. So for me, I was always going to fight, and I knew that, I'm a savage, so I know that I'm getting another fight. So, and I had the best fight camp ever. But by the time it comes, I weighed in, didn't cut weight, just went like walked in on weight because the amount of news that hit me that week, I just lost weight so much weight quick. And I went in there, and I remember for the first time ever in my life, I walked out to a cage and not felt one bit of adrenaline, and I didn't feel anything. And I walked to the cage, and I was thinking of everything outside the cage I got in there and I was like oh whatever man the brain's gone and I remember the camera coming in my face and me doing this thing like ah and do you know when you feel like I'm acting what the fuck am I doing I better look like a rat prick now on TV like what am I doing like and I shouldn't be having those thoughts and mm-hmm. I went out there and I fought him and fair play to Spencer regardless he beat me and he put me to sleep in like in the first round and I remember just waking up and thinking Fuck him, mate. Fuck life, man. What is life about? Like, I just, I'm retiring. Like, I can't be asked. Like, fuck everyone. And I said, I've quit. Done. About four weeks later, I managed to start to get over the things that were going on in my life, and it, then it made me realise that I looked like a mug, and I thought, well, fuck that, I'm coming back. So then I took a fight on a week's notice. No, not even a week. It was like, it must have been a few days. And because I was like, get me back in there, get me back in there. Look, I had a lot of hype around me. Come in, bro. Like I need to get in there, and then a fight come up. Gary Duffy, he he was two and zero or one and zero, but he was had a better record than me. I was zero one, and I remember turning up to the venue. Right, get this, we turned up late, yeah, because the traffic, and we was that late. They dropped me off outside. I've ran out, and as I've come into the reception, the guy's gone. Yeah, Cameron's a fucking no show. He ain't turned. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm here, bruv. I was, I was late. Relax, I'm here. I don't talk like that. And he's like, your opponent's in the cage. Going into the cage now. I went, that's fine. He went, well, we're, we're, we're postponing the fight and putting it. I went, nah. I said, I don't need a warm up. I said, I'm going to smash this guy. I ran literally all the way to the changing rooms. There's another guy in the changing rooms, lucky enough, I already knew. So he was like, Right, let's wrap your hands quick. Like they're wrapping my hands, I literally pulled up my shorts. My other coach coming from parking the car. That I'm now walking out to out to the cage. Get to the cage. They're like, "Where's your Vaseline?" I was like, huh? "I was like, oh, I ain't got no Vaseline. Don't worry, I'm not. I'm not getting hit." 
Coach was like, right, get in. I got in, banged Gary Duffy out in 55 seconds, and they're on the mic. I don't know if you see the interview of that, but it's somewhere. They're like, how did it go? What did you expect? I said, to be honest, I said, I think the car's still running. We literally just turned up, no warm up. And anyway, I'm off. Thanks for the money. See you later. But just let everyone know. <laughs> I was like, just let everyone know Cameron Else is back. This is Cameron. Um, and I actually said, I was like, Spencer, you didn't fight the real Cameron Else. Fair play, you won, but you didn't fight me that night. You fought, you fought a spirit that weren't there, you know? Um, and then I think from that, I didn't get a phone call, uh, you want to fight Paddy Pimlet? Oh, yeah. I was like, fuck yeah, smash him, man. I was like, easy, easy money. And they're like, all this hype around him, he's 5-0 and as a pro, and he's 12-0 and as an amateur. And they're all this hype. And Jeremy, you're like looking, I'm looking, thinking, what, what is the hype around this? I'm, this kid's going to get banged. And obviously I took that fight and I put him away, and that was great. I even called it word for word ask John Gooden uh, he's a UFC commentator now he, he was yeah. commentating on that he messaged okay, me asking me yeah he asked me he said to me uh, how do you think the fight's going to go and I texted him word for word exactly how the fight went and it went anaconda joke done and uh, yeah then obviously like fast forward to obviously you know, I've had so many ups and downs man it, it, it's mm-hmm. like if I sat and went through every story of like Ripping the corruption be all day and I, I don't I know I like to talk and I get so into because I'm passionate about it mm-hmm. and I want people to know like my story because I think it's very important for young fighters coming up uh, that need to understand uh, and my best advice to any fighter if you turn pro you make sure you get a manager and you make sure that that manager has got record proof there of the fighters he's producing that he's actually a a manager not some guys picked up a camera that promised you that he'd do a promo video on you that's quite funny yeah. you said that that kind of makes me feel like that's happened to you before yeah it has I've got absolutely yeah. man I've been screwed over like put it this way right I beat Paddy Pimlet yeah mm-hmm. Did they didn't expect that they Obviously. thought we'd bring Cameron in to lose done me 35 seconds light work easy what then happens cage warriors do not release the fight for two years Hit it. <laughs> Hit the fucking fight. Okay. Everyone's like, well, Cameron's beating top boy. I'm then like that. Give me the next top boy at Bantamweight. I'll smash him. Like, I wanted to run for the title. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, basically, mate, I asked for every fight at Bantamweight and they, they didn't come back to me with any fights. Then I get a phone call. Do you want to fight Spencer Hewitt? I was like, fuck yeah, I'm done. Let's go. They're like, yeah, it's next week. I was like, yeah, done. I've been training because I thought, just stay ready. And you offered me Spencer Hewitt, rematch. I'm going to fucking break this guy, man. I, was, I really <laughs> wanted to fuck him up. And uh, now I'm like, obviously, all my problems are done. It's time to rewrite that wrong. Mm-hmm. And they come back and they hit me with, oh, yeah, it's that flyweight. And I'm like, um, I've never really made flyweight. I said, I probably could make flyweight if I do a eight-week count, but you're asking me on a week's notice. Never really been there. Can we just do a bantamweight? Because when I first fought Spencer, bear in mind it's like a year before, it was a bantamweight. He's fought a bantamweight load. They come back and say, no, he's not. he don't want it a bantamweight. He knows you're like on a two-fight win streak and you're looking good. And Spencer at the time was actually on like three-fight loss. Um, so obviously, well done for him. He had a manager at the time that obviously was very good and said, no, we only want it a flyweight me being stubborn I'm like yeah fuck yeah I'll make flyweight because I just wanted to fight him so much so I just discarded 
the weight cut. I was like, easy, do it. If I say I'm do it, do it. Turned up, worst weight cut in the world, cut 13 pounds on the day. Collapsed. Listen, I'm not even joking. I collapsed after. We had to face off, we faced off. And I'm in both, I'm meant to stay there now, pose, and I just walked straight out because I had these black lines coming in and I thought I'm going to pass out and I'm going to get pulled off the car. I ran to the lift and then my my uh, cornerman at the time, he literally opened up the lift and I'm passed out on the floor, like collapsed out. So he picked me up, stopped filling me up with water. I'm like, like, I'm so delusional. I go upstairs, yeah, to my hotel and I'm laying in bed and I cannot move, mate. I'm, I'm literally in agony. My kidneys, I'm in so much pain to the point I couldn't move and I laid there for like two hours, couldn't eat or anything. When I was trying to drink loads of water, because I didn't know all this, right? I just yeah, thought yeah. I could just neck a litre of water. And then you're <laughs> no, you can't. Yeah. You've got to sip it. Like, yeah. your body's shut down. So when I tried necking it, all my throat was tightening up and it was mm -hmm. foaming up. It was it was hideous. And I just said to my, my cornerman at that time, I was like, mate, I can't. Like, I don't know what's going on, but... And then I get a knock at the door, right, on my, on, on my hotel. You need to get out of your hotel. I'm like, what? You need to get out of the hotel. I'm like, nah, mate. Listen, I can't go home. Like, I'm in Central London. I'm fighting here tomorrow. I know I said because I did say I only need the, I only want a hotel for the night before the weigh-ins because I had to do start the weight cut. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then I said, don't worry about weigh-in night. Originally I said, okay, well, don't worry about the weigh-in night because I'll just go home because I like to stay in my own bed and I'm only, I'm out in Kent, so it was about an hour, hour and a half, if that away because it was like central London so yeah. bearing in mind now um, they know I've had a bad wake up they now ask me to leave and I say nah I'll stay an extra night I will take this room now because I, I can't physically move no cage was didn't approve it told me to get the fuck out of the hotel I then have to get in my car and drive home yeah the day before I'm fine mate that journey home turned into a three and a half hour car journey home because we hit traffic. the traffic of London mm -hmm. like busy out through central London oh, so I got home at three and a half hours later dying in the car got home and normally like again this is how like inexperienced I were I used to always have a big pizza ice cream and everything after the wanes so my missus had let, let basically got all the food in and I walked in and I just looked at him and was like I gotta go to bed. I'm, I'm really bad. She was like, "Hey, you, you look, you look fucked." And I was like, "I need to go to bed." And I went upstairs and I just got into bed. I didn't eat no food. I woke up next day and I got out of bed and it felt like I'd run a marathon. Like my legs or veins were popping. And mm -hmm. It was hideous, mate. It was such a bad weight cut. And then again, cut long story short, had the fight with Spencer. Went three rounds of him. Again, if you watch that fight, they talk about the weight cut straight away. That it says like when I go to grab him and I'm exhausted. And yeah, it just basically went tits up, and I and Spencer won. Fair enough, he beat me again. Yeah, unanimous decision. And then a week later, I got took into hospital because my kidneys were shutting down. So that was after, that was after a week, and I literally, I was then out for six to seven months. I couldn't train because my body was like so fucked up, and that's when I decided I need to take this serious. I need to get a nutritionist. Uh, I'm never ever cutting weight again. Mm -hmm. And that's when I I then never had any problems with the whole the whole weight cuts and stuff.
Yeah, can't mm. wait. In MMA, is such a weird, weird system. You you got to dehydrate yourself. You can't like eat. You have to like drink certain. You can't like. Yeah, uh, I've seen um, TJ Dillashaw, for example, when he was trying to get down to 125 pounds, he was having a salad with a Dorito crisp, eating Dorito crisp, and then just eating the salad. So he had some food on the salad. Yeah. Yeah, and then he was getting a needle and sticking it in his ass, <laughs> and then pumping some shit in. A little fucking rat. Yeah, he had that as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so we'll move on. Um, a, a, a long story short, after all that, you know, you're four and three. You went on a six fight win streak. You got to the you got the call to the UFC on short notice. What are the odds? You know, uh, you're always getting called up on short notice. How did that feel to you know get called up on short notice and you say you know what I'm a UFC fighter now? It it do you know it, it, I knew it was going to happen because mm -hmm. a lot of people I love don't that mentality. Yeah, a lot of people. And another thing, what a lot of people don't know is I almost got signed back in March for the London card. I would have been there. I would have watched. Yeah, it. so mm -hmm. I almost got signed there, but then it all shut down because you know fight fight started pulling out and all that. So because people can fly over. Yeah, yeah. And then there was talk that Jack Shaw's opponent pulled out. So then I'll get a message, oh, will you jump in and fight Jack Shaw? And I was like, yeah. I would. Wow. Like, I'm on weight. I'd literally made weight specifically for that because I knew and I said to everyone, I will make my debut March 2020. Uh, 2020. I'll be there fighting in 02. And I was so stuck on that visualization. I knew it. And then a week before, I remember watching the event before, sitting there, watching the UFC event, mad because I'm like, I want a fucking pizza, man. And I might cut weight for fuck all. And then I get the message and it looked like I was almost going to fight there. Then I was waiting for the next day to come and then Dana White cancelled the whole show. So that all went tits up, right? So then I was, then it was also another thing what people don't realise is I flew out, yeah, to, you know, at Christmas. Yeah. Is that tea or coffee? This is the tea. You won't do coffee this time of night. Oh, all right. But, um, so, what people don't know yet is, last time I was in America and I trained properly, like training regularly, because I'm always out there, and then went out there for the Brave fight, yeah? Done that eight, uh, eight, six, seven weeks out there with Cowboy. Uh, come back, not, not fucking, knocked, um, Aiden James out. Mm -hmm. And then I was meant to fly back out in October, but I didn't, because Brave negotiation fell through and they wouldn't give me the title fight with their guy so that fell through and I had a couple more fights and then I was flying out to I spoke to Cowboy and uh, he basically said about flying out to America to jump in his camp for the Conor McGregor fight oh wow mm. that's huge and because mate also like I'm very good at like I can I can interpret him well, like in terms of kicks. Yeah. Coming out the way he does, talking shit. So <laughs> I, I also said to Cowboy, like, like, bruv, I'm, I can fucking mimic him, and we're the same height. So yeah, um, obviously stand up is phenomenal. Don't get me wrong, um, but I knew I could like just bring saying and help him out. And he said, yeah, come out, man. So I flew out to Cowboy the day after Boxing Day. However, mate. I got coronavirus. Before, at Boxing Day? Well, I say it. Obviously, it's, I don't actually know, but I'm telling you, bruv, 
before it all got fucking hyped up about COVID and all that, yeah, and no one really knew about it, mm-hmm. I started feeling new over Christmas and I started getting like a fucking bare dry throat, like, <clears throat> and I could feel I was getting sick. Yeah. And I was like, I'm feeling really run down. It was a day after boxing day and it was hard for me because I didn't want to leave my family, you know, especially like my kids. And I flew out and on the journey out there, I, I felt so bad, mate, like really bad. And by the time I got out, I finally got out to Cowboys Ranch, snowing up there, it was hideous. Got in, I see him. I'm like, bruv, I'm gonna go to sleep because I fucking really, really, and I think I'm coming down and saying, I'm gonna keep away from you. So I uh, went and got my head down, woke up all through the night sweating, pissed sweat, then mm. cold. It was hideous. I knew I was going down with something bad. I didn't know what it was. So I made a choice. Like, I, I messaged Cowboy. He was out on the snowmobiles, and I just messaged him <laughs> and said, look, bruv, I'm fucked, and I don't wanna get him ill or any of his team. I don't even wanna risk being around them. So I was like, I'm going home. So I literally just had a turnaround flight within three days and I flew home. And they, the deal then was to fly back out in March and I was going to be out there in March for three months because I was going to fight on the Contender Series. So when it got to March, obviously they, I was got told to stay ready for the UFC because I was like short notice for that, for the London guard. And then I, um, I basically that fight didn't happen because COVID kicked in didn't it so then it was like oh you're not signing you're now but don't worry you're on a contender card so I was like alright sweet but then I couldn't fly out to America because they shut everywhere down mm-hmm. so they shut everywhere down here didn't they and I haven't yeah. trained anything and I had a kind of dark times during COVID I can imagine everyone had a 2020 hasn't been the best of year for everyone but you know I can imagine I'm someone mate that needs routine and like my, my thing that I need in my life is a sauna every day because yeah. it just it's my peace man it's my zone keeps, I meditate man. keeps you sane um, sort of thing yeah it does and mm-hmm. I have routine I'm up every morning 5am run, running sprinting swimming oh, the lot so for me I went from having nothing and then I found myself drinking heavily sitting in my garden getting pissed up in the sunshine <laughs> trying to stay like focused not allowed to leave my house uh-huh. then I found myself going back going back to my dark days man and the demon I always talk about this demon and everyone has the inner demon and then my demon started fucking me up and that's when I don't know if you've seen but on my Instagram I decided I needed a challenge I need to challenge my inner demon and get him awake so I put a challenge out on my Instagram and I got really good feedback off it and I've done three challenges back to back and they were they were tough they were completely different and they challenged the inner demon so I did that and then I then get told oh you can't actually go on a contender series because I couldn't get out to America I then get told her oh, you want to fight Jack Shaw on Fight Island he's had a pull out and I was like yes this meant to happen then um, get told that Jack Shaw's team went with another fighter uh-huh. to be honest I was kind of like that again was six days notice and I was fucking heavier than what I was for this last fight so I was like fucking hell man it's going to be a bad weight cut but fucking going to do it and then obviously that said no, and then I was said to my manager, what the fuck? And then he's like, oh, don't worry, got Nathaniel Woods. And I was like, sweet. So there he is, Nathaniel Woods. Yeah, Nathaniel Woods fight. That was uh, 25th of July. So I was like, sweet, I got three weeks, so I can mm-hmm. get my weight. Even though I hadn't trained, I haven't trained for like 10 months. It was like, don't matter. I know I can. In my head, I was like, I. I was so excited for that fight because I was meant to fight Nathaniel twice on the on the regional circuit and yeah. both times 
I had to pull out because uh -huh. uh, first time I had an incident and I got glassed on the back of my head. I had like eight stitches, <laughs> so I had to pull out, of course. And then the second time I stepped in on short notice to fight him with a week to go and I quickly jumped on the sprint track to get some runs in and I popped my hamstring straight away and I was oh. like, oh, rung him literally, said yes, rung two, there's a, oh, man. So obviously I just thought, all right, we're destined to fight, fight island, me and Nathaniel, prospect, prospect killer, sick. Um, and then obviously that fight thing, I, I, man, I got sent to London to do my bloods. This is what the most confusing thing was. So I'm giving my bloods, and then I get told that he didn't get offered to fight. Well, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't really know. Like, it is what it is. Like, he's gonna say he didn't get offered to fight, and I don't. I do honestly think that maybe Nathaniel didn't get offered to fight. Maybe his management got offered to fight, or maybe his team got offered to fight, and they just picked the best fight for him, and rightfully so. Like, why would you want to step in and fight me on say short notice when you know I've, I've thrived off that and Let's be honest. Like, Fanny was coming off a, off a loss. Yeah. Recently, two. Yeah. Four, yeah. Fifty-five. Yeah. Well, before it was Dodson, wasn't it? So. Uh, yeah, he lost it, to Dodson. Yeah. Yeah. So he's coming off a loss, and rightfully so. And this goes back to having the right people around you. Nathaniel, I know, will fight anyone. I know he will. He's a fighter. Like, that's why you don't get to his level if you're not a fighter. Like you, I know what he's about. Um, but he's got a good team around him, and let's just say if they offer over five fighters, and I'm on one, I may have been on the list, I may have not been on the list. I was told I was on the list, may have not been. I don't really know, and I don't really care now. But all I know is that his t your team, the people that are paid to look after you and do that negotiating, they'll sit there, look at five people, and go, he's the easiest person to beat. We're taking him. Yeah, it's a win, and and he's young, so I, I get it. I, I'm not mad no more I was mad at the time because I'm like little prick you fucking stopped me going in the UFC and started getting all hate and started calling him out a bit and I was a bit annoyed but I'm over it now and I always knew like I was going to get a UFC call up and mate when I got that it really shook me up I was like right I need to fucking get on this train but they weren't nowhere to train so I was like going down to the pro boxing gym and so thankful for like my local boxing gym absolutely fucking legends mate and mate the sparring I got there was whole new level mate I got lit up like a Christmas tree and <laughs> I love it and I still love it now I'm like I'm still back down there with them I'm still going to be training with them regularly but what ended up happening because I got told to stay stay ready yeah so I'm keeping my weight down so I'm now peaking in terms of fitness and weight and I'm putting, mate. I was literally just kickboxing sparring with one guy, um, and then boxing sparring with them, but no MMA sparring. It weren't like takedowns, ground and pound. It was just literally be a And my kickboxing coach and like friend Jermaine, like he said to me, you know, it's a difference. As soon as all the UFC talking, he said, Cam, you just become like a fucking different animal. So when I was sparring him, it was getting to the point where I'd. For the first time ever, and this is his first time ever with with Jermaine, I just I like went like that. He he's maintained. I've just gone like that. So inspiring. It was like I really couldn't get out of first gear because I'd have to ease off and respect the fact that. And fair play to him, mate. He turned up like every Tuesday and Thursday to spar me for like seven rounds. And his legs, like he's Taiwan guy. So I battered his legs and 
he'd have to stop and you know and but I, I was never get I never got pushed you know and then mm-hmm. it got to a point where I got tennis elbow in my in my left elbow mm-hmm. I had punched him with my right fist and see that finger there yeah. I couldn't get it in it was like that it was all swollen and up, all the knuckles swollen so it was like that sorry so inside this corner it was all swollen and that and Fight Island had finished and I said to my manager look I'm fucked man like, I've been maintaining and, he, and I said I'm going to take two weeks off three weeks off now of doing nothing to let my body reheal because I couldn't grapple or couldn't do anything because tennis elbow I don't know if you've ever, ever had it but it's it's bad yeah yeah it, it's bad like, like right yeah but no it's like inside your elbow but mm-hmm. you can't restrain you can't push you can't press up you mm-hmm. can't do anything man like, I was sparring trying to spar the boxers without my left hand without a left hook it was it was hitting it was just getting worse and worse and boxing coach like look just just ease off and then we decided to just stop me on everything and the whole game plan was come September we jump back on it ready for the next fight island so took two and a half three weeks off chilling and then come September I was like oh, well, I'll get back on it but then I realised tennis elbow hadn't gone and my knuckles hadn't stopped swelling. So then it was like, well, I can't spar, I can't do anything because if I keep re-injuring them, because I was trying to do light sparring, but I just catch an elbow on my knuckle and it would swell up again. So it was like, I don't want to be called up for a fight next week on Fight Island and be like a broken hand, say, still on tennis elbow. Like, I'm really going, I'm really stacking more odds against me. And then, so I didn't do no sparring or anything. And then it turned from two weeks into five weeks and then it, I was just taking it easier, like in terms of grappling, sparring. I wasn't doing none of that, but I was just turning up to the swimming pool and keeping my cardio there. So if I ever keep my cardio there, that's it. Because in my head, I'm a killer and I'm fucking don't need a camera. I know the fight. I'm just gonna smash everyone. And then I literally got the call up and I get six days and I'm like, yeah, I can make the weight. And then the whole quarantine shit fucked me up. I got I got told I got the fight Friday. So they basically are. See, they, my manager was like, "You're getting signed." Like, they, like my manager's been speaking to Sean Shelby. He's like, "Look, we're signing Cameron. Like, Cameron will be signed to us this year. We want Cam. Like, we know he's, we know he brings it." So I always knew. Just getting annoying when people ask you, isn't it? And you're like, "Yeah, I'm going. I'm going to be in the UFC. I'm going to be. In the, oh yeah, oh yeah. When are you? When are you?" He's like, oh, I say, oh, God, "I don't want to talk about it. It's just going to happen." And then he uh, run me up and said, "Look." you're going to get signed but there's a fight next week do you want it I said yeah give me it he said no one wants it none of the top 10 want this kid and I was like you know I want it and he's under the same management and I was like question is will he take it mm-hmm. and he was like yeah they'll take it because otherwise he ain't going to fight and I found out I got the fight on a Friday I was expecting to fly Friday, uh, like fr- Saturday morning and the UFC didn't because I had to quarantine here in London um, I took a Covid test and sit back so then I didn't fly out till Monday got out to Dubai 12, 12 o'clock uh, night on a Tuesday I think and then I had to stay in my room till the day before the weigh-ins hideous I remember looking at the scales thinking to, I was saying to my coach like this, this weigh-in coming off and then again woke up day of the weigh-ins I was 13 pound over I managed to cut 22 pound in a week Oh man! and it was, it was kind of like but the thing is I didn't go too much into it at the time of around the fight because I didn't want to take anything away from Tyler Phillips and I didn't want to look like one of those guys that always comes out of excuses and that um, 
because at the end of the day, the ultimate thing is, like I said at the beginning of the interview, I'm a man of my word. If someone do it, I'm going to do it. I knew the outcome. I knew I had a big weight cut. I knew it was a week notice. And I knew all of them factors. And I still knew that in my head, I'd smash him. So that's it. Carter Phillips was better than me on the night, without a shadow of a doubt. Did the weight cut have a massive effect on me? Yes, it did. Did the actual fact that I also felt a bit of an adrenaline dunk? Yeah, I'm going to be completely honest. I felt that because I signed to the UFC within a week, lived, like, fulfilled my dream, but I didn't even have time to acknowledge it. And now I'm walking into the cage and seeing the monster sign on the floor. And I'm like, okay, shit, I'm here. And also, on the way to the cage, I was thinking, should I just go out guns blazing and bang him? Because I know a catching gun is going to be out. Because yeah. I know I could knock him out, and I knew he's a stand-up fighter, so I thought uh-huh. he's expecting to come forward. He will not back me up, and I, but then I was thinking he knows I've had a bad cut. So and I thought if they're prepared for me to come guns blazing like I normally do, then they're probably going to think he's got that in him for a round. So let's just avoid them. And then I'm tired, and I didn't want to be well tired, gassed on TV and shit. So I tried to play it safe and come out and be like, right, just wait, 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 pick your shot, bang, hit him. And, mate, I felt that in the first three minutes, three and a half minutes of that fight, even though I felt like death inside when I watched it back, I was actually doing all right. Like, he didn't land anything. He tried to throw the knee, I saw it a mile off, threw a couple of spin kicks, saw that a mile off. He didn't land any one, two punch, but the one punch I landed on him, even he said it, he said to me, it rattled his doorbell, and I was like, ding ding I was like fucking hell I don't want to take that power and his corner said don't fuck with his power and I was like got you now now I'm going to start fainting you because you're scared of it and boom he took me down and that was kind of what we wanted to happen believe it or not yeah. I wanted to go up put the power let him feel the power let him shoot and then mate trust me when I say on the floor I'm a fucking beast so in my head we hit the floor and like I did I, I bridged him straight away I exploded and Honestly, off that explosion, I just felt like my soul leave my body, like my body was exhausted. And the easiest way to explain it, I like anyone can say, oh, yeah, you need to work on your cardio. It's my pet hate. Well, I'm fitter than anyone, mate. I'm 48, resting heart rate. I'm fit. But a marathon runner's fit, right? Yeah. But after the day after his marathon, he ain't fit. <laughs> you know what I mean? He ain't going to be able to run that. And that's what mm-hmm. his easiest way to explain a bad weight cut is. It exhausts your body, exhausts your muscles. So it's like you've technically worked out. Like it can, it can go really bad. And no fans know this. So when you explain it, you just sound like you're a sore loser and you're chatting shit. But all us fighters, we we know the effect. And anyway, I lost, man, and it fucking sucked. And I was so devastated. And I ain't gonna lie, mate, I had a little cry because um, it was the visualization, like. I've never visualised that ending. I honestly believe that even if I got offered a fight Khabib on my debut, I believe I'd go in there and knock him out. I'd, I'd bang him. So if I lost that on a week's notice to Khabib, after, I'd still be upset and people would probably be looking at me going, bro, you just stepped in the full Khabib. And I'd be like, you don't get it. I was fucking in here. I was winning. Like, I was going to win. I'm devastated because I'm a competitor and I'm a true believer in myself. So uh-huh. it doesn't matter who it was, but then took me, Cowboy, Cowboy was taught me, Cam, cry, your heart out 24 hours after that shut the fuck up get back on the horse and let's go for it and I've, I've always I take a lot from him he's been a not only has he been a great friend he's been a great mentor and he's taught me a lot and there's two things he said that and he, another great thing he's always said to me is know what you're good at and stick to it just stay the fucking course keep going 
if you get given 100 fights cam you know you're going to win 80 percent that's it it's a stick it so i've always stuck to what like he said and it's got me here so when i got back from when i got back from the island obviously it sucks and whatnot and i sat there and then i had to sit there and my coach was like cam watch the fight back because i ain't watching i ain't watching i'm embarrassed mate just mug myself up and he said no bro trust me watch it so i watched it and now i watch it every day 10 times a day and i'm like (laughs) fuming fuming i'm but i was surprised because when i watched it because i know how i felt inside like i was all these questions in mid like i knew up my i was against the clock my i was exhausted Mm -hmm. um but watching the fight back, I feel that I was winning the fight up to the point he took me down. Like, he didn't do shit. And the way, you got to take, you in life, yeah, you have to take the positives out of every situation. Yeah. When I was in my darkest days, I used to hold on to the negatives and wonder why the fuck am I in this depressive state of mind for fucking two years or whatever. Because I'm concentrating on it. And the laws of attraction, what you put out is what you receive. So when I changed, changed it to, I now look at that fight and I go, right, let's actually look at it. Let's list it. You had, I have an MMA spot since 2019, July. That's one, right? I haven't. Um, I I basically didn't do any sparring up to that fight. Boxing sparring, kickboxing sparring. Six weeks prior to that fight. My first spar was Kyler Phillips. It was a week's notice. It was £22 in weight. I also had the biggest fuck up, mate, was when we got out there, I get told I'm fighting at 7 a.m. in the morning and I'm on the main oh. car. Like, more pressure. So I'm like, and to be fair, but when they said 7 a.m., I thought, sweet, I'm up every morning at 5 a.m. I fucking swim at 6. So getting up at 5 a.m. and going to a fucking venue and just knocking someone out, that's my type of morning. That's the best morning I can have. I'll be back for my breakfast and be slamming beers at the fucking pool at 7 a.m. Like, <laughs> perfect. Like, at 8.30. So I thought, yeah, sweet. But what I didn't take into account, obviously, after the weight cut and that, so then I was meant, technically, you'd fight, I'd fight like 9 o'clock at night, right? So in my head, it was like, I'll go to bed at 9 o'clock at night. So I'm going to go to bed, mm-hmm. sleep, get a full night's sleep, wake up at 5, go to the venue, knock someone out. Mate, got to 8 o'clock at night, I'm laying in bed, I'm like, fuck, I'm gassed, fuck. Mate, I didn't sleep one fucking bit. I was like a kid at Christmas, sitting up in my bed, my coach next to me, snoring his head off, like, <laughs> Rhino, me keep throwing pillars in, I'm like, bruv, shut up, man. I was like, I'm not even trying to sleep, but I can't. And I, and that's when I started going through the motions of started taking in then. I'm a UFC fighter. Oh, how's the fight going to play? Oh, feel a bit nervous, feel a bit anxious, felt a bit like, Oh, I don't want to look like a dick. Oh. And then I thought, no, mm-hmm. fuck off, man, I'm a beast. By the end of the night, come 5am when I'm alarm clock's going off, I'm like, yeah, I'm ready for this. So I, technically, I had no sleep 24 hours before. And then I find out yeah, that every other fighter on the car, do you know what they were doing? What? They sorted out their body clocks. They were going to bed at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, waking up at 10 o'clock at night, staying up till the next day, mm-hmm. getting their workouts at 3, 4am. So... When I heard it from that Casey Ken- uh, Kenny, used for uh, Nathaniel, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that's that's yeah. another thing that no one sees. Quarantine, stuck in a room for fucking fifty six hours, no one sees, and not train like just not training and it, like getting bumped up to the main card. 
Right. Bruv Kyler Condit and that, who's my teammate at Jackson's, and I'm like, all right, Kyler's, bruv. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, there were so many things, and now I just look back and go, the, 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 they're facts, yeah? That is actual facts. And if you take all of that and you look at how I performed, it weren't that bad. You can tell, people that know me, that I lost my, bruv, in between rounds, I was sitting there and I'm thinking, fuck, my body's fucked. And I wanted him to take me down. And now that little fuckers took me down. He's all over me like fucking tramping a bag of chips. I can't even like, I can't keep up with him because I'm exhausted. So I thought I'd just stifle it out and then I'll just fucking e-punch himself out because I know he gets tired. And I had so many messages saying it was an early stoppage, it was bullshit. At the time when I was in the cage, I think I just felt like, because oh, I felt like shit, I thought I looked shit and it probably, I probably looked like I was getting absolutely bad. When I look at that, fucking right, it was an early stoppage. But, again, it was like, he asked me to cover up. I did cover up. I protected the side of my head. He took my back, so I'm protecting here. I knew he'd never submit me, so I'm protecting here. This is where he's punching. You're not allowed to elbow in the back of the head. He fucking dropped two solid elbows in the back of my head. And then the fight gets stopped. And then I weren't in any pain or anything, but I was probably just a little bit too relaxed because I, I, I knew... I was I was tired and I kept thinking I'd get second wind or, or whatnot and it was just there was so many factors you know what I mean but yeah. what we got to look forward to now is what's coming ahead I'm going out to America hopefully within the next week or two and I'll be training like I do four times a day with all the killers out there and then I'll probably come back at, come back at Christmas have my Christmas here with my family and then I'll jump straight back out there and I'll be training again so I'm training consistently and then I'll get the phone call and it'll be you got a fight in eight weeks yeah I'm fucking ready to go you got me and now I've further eight weeks now just to to plan for this guy now you're going to get that version of Cameron do you know what I mean and well, you're not going to get a silly weight cut so we've not got a problem with the weight cut we've not got jet lag we've not got all that shit we've not got the whole what we've got to look now at, at the benefit is I've made my UFC debut there's no pressure on me I ain't got to wonder what it's like to get in a UFC octagon, see the monster sign and think, fucking hell, look at monster on the floor. Do you know what I mean? Like, I ain't got to worry about that. I've done it all. <laughs> yeah. So now it's like, I've done all that. Now I know what I know I can bring. I know that, like he said to me, and people always say to me, man, I've got the power to knock out every single person in the Bantamweight division. And mark my words, I will knock out the majority of them. And I have the ground game to smash them on the floor even off my back so I'm just excited now and I just think fuck it like enjoy the roller coaster I know there's going to be ups and downs but I'm here man I'm a UFC fighter I'm here there's going to be ups going to be downs but I'm in the UFC before when you have your downs and before I was in the UFC it's hard like how long am I going to stay down for because of corruption around me not going to let me in they don't want to shine the light on me so you know well, uh, we'll go for one more last question. I don't want to keep you for too long. Your missus probably wants to get something to eat or something to dinner. It is right, mate. Yeah, so, yeah. So we'll go for one I love more. To talk, mate. I love to talk, as you know. Like, passionate guy and I fucking... I say yeah. how it is, mate. I don't hold punches. I love it. I love it. I love your mentality and how you think about yourself and your confidence. It, I can see it thriving. I love it. Absolutely love it. Mm. And we'll, we'll go for um, before the fight. You said that you, you obviously you didn't train at Jackson Wink, and I, I think I know the obvious answer. You would have preferred to be at Jackson Wink for the fight. Did you feel like that kind of restricted 
the how you performed that night, and you you reckon if you if you were at Jackson Wink, you would have got the full best Cameron. Well, like again, obviously, I know I've, I've obviously covered that in terms of you yeah. know now, and everyone knows now that I haven't MMA sparred or MMA trained in in a year nearly. Let's be honest, it was July. July 2019. Um, so, what I did to get to the UFC year was consistency and being out in America three or four times a year. And I said to myself, every bit of money that I earn, and I run a fight promotion, so all the money I make off that, I invest in myself. And in the end of the day, you need to invest in yourself. When you invest in yourself, people see that, and then people invest in you. But don't expect someone to invest in you and your dream if you're not doing it yourself. So, I always made sure that I would do it. I also know that look at Man United football team right they train three or four times a week they train all year round yeah mm-hmm. but even out of season they still train because it's consistency you've got to always be mixing with them so I couldn't just be a fighter in the UK who's joined Jackson Wink but then okay I only fly out to Jackson Wink and train when I have a fight and get eight weeks in do you know why? Because all the people who are already at the top are out there and they're living in America and they're training every single day, four times a day. The only difference is when they get told you've got to fight in eight weeks, now the game plan comes into it. So now they just, when they turn up to their sparring, they spar how they're fighting their opponents. That's the only difference in it. So it was always, for me, a massive thing. And that's what really elevated my game in five years of being at Jackson Wink. I went from a just an absolute brawler, someone that rolled the punches and just get in the pocket and swing and a fan favourite, you know. So someone who realised when I had the right coaches around me to guide me and they're like, man, you're massive for band and weight. You've got a big frame. You've got stinging power. Let's just like slow it down. Stop trying to get in the trenches with everyone. You can knock people out of one punch. So I learned a lot. So having now no training since 2019 and, and basically coming off it, Going into that fight, don't get me wrong, going into the fight, 100% I believed I could just bang him. But let's have, my my coach put it to me perfectly. He said, Cameron, if you had won tonight, he said, it would be criminal. It would be criminal to that man, Kyler Phillips, who is trained for six months solid, had opponents pull out, he's in peak condition, he's done everything right. He's training with Casey Kennedy and all the other guys that were on the fight card. Mm-hmm. He's in there four times a day, training for six months for you to go in there with no training whatsoever and just slap him bang him and done is criminal and it's wrong and it shouldn't happen he said you've not done nothing he said so now if I he said if you had a full camp then yeah you know what you do to him I know if I had a full camp I kind of it would have been dealt with a lot lot sooner it probably would have been round one for me Like, and I honestly believed that I believe I would have come out with the pace I always bring and it would have been good night because I know I could keep that pace for three rounds. But in this fight, I couldn't worry. I couldn't. I just fought too much. He beat me on a night, and on the night he was better than me. But if I had been out of Jackson Wink and carried on, and this COVID didn't happen, and we was all just carried on training, mate, it it would have been it would have been the, the visualization I've always seen. I would have come in, I would have knocked him out, I would have jumped on that mic, mic uh, on that mic, and said to Dana White, Matrix that motherfucker, give me my 50 G's and the new camp cheaters in town, this is it. Man, I absolutely love your enthusiasm and your confidence and the belief in yourself. I can't wait to see you back in the cage, hopefully that soon. Yeah, mate. Um, I've got a bit of an injury at the minute, um, just 
and the slight knee injury. Um, yeah. But I went. I actually sparred today, first time since the fight. Um, felt all right. Took one little clip on it though, and I was like, yeah, okay, still sore. But I'm now back in the swimming pool. Um, and from tomorrow, I'm back doing all my cardio and getting there, and I'm just basically trying to sort out now my entry into the US to get back training properly and everything's out there for me I've got like doctors out there that are part of my team which I'm very fortunate enough where I haven't got to pay money like to get all looked at and get the right treatment so I can go out and get the right treatment on my knee um, and just get back to it man like if I could I'd fight in December but one thing again like I've got management and I have to listen to them and the, the truth and I've got a coach, coach obviously my coaching team and the truth is before I used to take short notice fights and they'd always go my way but if we actually think about it, I trained I was still training consistently so as much as a short notice fight they weren't in terms of the actual me training it weren't like I was getting off the couch but literally with Kyler Phillips I got off the fucking couch and it's I can't do that at this level and I'm in a position now even though as much as that fight doesn't really take a massive impact on my contract because it is such a short nosed fight and to you know the statistics actually which Sean Shelby turned around and let my manager know he said it's statistically right and only an 8% chance that a fighter will win stepping in on a week's notice against a UFC fighter 8% chance so they know so my manager said all they wanted to know Cameron, is that you turn up you bring it you make weight you're professional and you did that so you've ticked all their boxes yet they knew in their margin you weren't going to win that fight like they're not but they just wanted they know you deserve that type, that that shot in the UFC you you, you belong here like Dana White said like I was going to be on a contender series in November like they wanted me here so I know it's I've got I've got to just listen to my team like if they offered me a fight Thomas Almeida fucking in December I'd be like yeah let's fucking go like, I want to go I'd love that fight. However, I can't take it if I'm not training. This is the elite level. You can't get off the couch and keep trying to fight these guys. They're going to smash it. Like, I've now got that, and I'm glad I've acknowledged that. And now I, it's just about getting back to training consistently, and then we'll be... I, I did a lot to fight in December, but if I'm being realistic, it's going to be January, end of January, probably. Before I did not get out to America and train regularly, because everywhere in England, as you know, shutting down as well. Yeah, but, just a quick one. Just a quick one, then I'll let you go. Hour and six minutes we've been on air. I've got to let you go. I want you to get on. Have a have a good night at least. Uh, so uh, just quickly, you said you were talking about America. How you got doctors out there that you're training at Jackson Wink. Maybe a plan in the future to move you and your family out there. I'd love that, um, yeah. but again, it's a lot harder. I think once I'm, I plan on being in the in the UFC for until I retire. Um, so I'd say at least another good eight years nine years um, by that time I'll be a millionaire within the UFC because my style and the amount of performance bonuses I'm going to get and I know I'll get a strap I know within two years less than two years I'll be fighting for the title um, so I know what that brings once I've got all that money then yeah I'm in a position where I'll be able to bring my family over but I'd love to because I love America I love the way of life out of there I love the people I surround myself with. I had to do all that change and put myself in the positive circle. Once you're in a gym like that, where we're all thriving to help each other and you want the best, you get results like I've, I've proven, like I've like proved that over the five years I've been there. So 
as much as I love that, I'm also back here and um, the Cam the brand is building, man. Like my gym will open up, and I've got some fighters coming through under me. And believe me, the day I do retire from fighting, I'll be bringing through world champions in my name. Like my name's going to be around this game, not only as one of the uh, best fighters in the bantamweight division, but I honestly believe I'll be one of the best coaches in the world. Man, so, I love it. I love your story yeah. and everything you've achieved already so far. You've gone from the Brits of defeat all the way up to the top. You're in the UFC. That's the biggest uh, accomplishment in your eyes, and you've made it. Yeah, man, 100%. That's it, brother. Hopefully, for... we get, hopefully when, when I'm back fighting next year, we get in London or something, and all this COVID shit fucks off, and we get the fans back, man, because yeah, that adds a lot of fire to my fuel and all, man. I was planned to actually go to London. Say again? I was planned to go to USC London, and then yeah. that uh, messed up my week. It was like on the Wednesday or Thursday of the fight week, uh, Dana said that the show's cancelled. I was like, you... Well, here's, here's something for you. From what I'm hearing, yeah, doing a fight card in Brazil in January, and, Janu- and in Brazil, COVID, all rules are pretty much lifted, so it could be the first fans, fans back in action in Brazil. Oh. January. Mm. I'd love to fight in Brazil. Yeah, I, I can imagine Rio would be amazing and it, it, yeah. it would be even better if it was against a Brazilian person because you know how they get behind their fans uh, their fighting that, team. That, yeah if I come into Brazil I'd want to fight Thomas Almeida man he's just lost against uh, uh, Jonathan Martinez oh, yeah yeah good fight but I, just, fight I, like, I like his style man I think I think Thomas Almeida is, he's mate he, he's a fucking name he's a threat he's got high level knockouts over a lot of people but what I like about him is the way he stays in front of you. He gives a punch. He knows he's going to take one. He likes to cover up on that. And I, I would win. I'd knock him out. But I just think it'd be epic for the fans. I think like, I'm fighting Brazil would be awesome. But again, I'm not going to sit here and say I want this and I want that. At the end of the day, I need to get a win under my belt, which I will. And then trust me, Cam the TV starts because when I'm on that mic, I'm going to be lighting it up. But man I love it thank you for the hour and 10 minutes you have given me I didn't expect it to be this long I've got about 10 20 other questions I've got to ask you but I, I wouldn't uh, let we you do, go listen, we could do a part 2 I, like I said I go into depth in my conversation I, like, yeah. I'm very passionate about that, so I talk a lot so 100% well yeah. I hope you enjoy your tea and your night and I hope you have a good night with your missus yeah cheers mate you take thank care thank you so much bye mate